this week because I tried to do one last week and I thought you know I'm back on that whole freestyle thing I can just do it off the top of my head I don't need to do any notes I don't need to prepare I can just come in stand in the little booth and it'll all work out well and I'll be able to just nail it in one take and I started and I just kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent and I was talking about the power of now I was talking about positivity and I thought I don't really know enough about this I mean I read the books I read the power of now by Eckhart Tolle and I've seen him at the Royal Albert Hall last year in one of his three hour sessions with a 30 minute meditation and I was there but do I know enough to kind of talk about it and I felt like I was kind of trying to go down that self-help guru kind of way whilst talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers and the Faith No More Beef and it all just started to unravel and I thought I can't I can't keep this up it's gonna kind of be a little bit kind of there were bits that were a bit critical and a bit heavy-handed so you know that's going to be one of the lost episodes and I actually spoke about lost episodes in that lost episode and talked about how bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers would record whole albums that you would never hear about like they do like 38 songs for one of the albums I think it was for one of their double albums that may have actually come out as an album maybe I need to check that But what got me thinking about lost albums and lost episodes was reading about when My Chemical Romance finished uh, recording and releasing the Black Parade after they went on the big tour cycle of that. They then recorded another album, but they were kind of going down a route that Gerard Way didn't want to go down and became very kind of formulaic and very normal. And so then they decided to shelve that whole album and record something completely different that then came out as Danger Days which I've never really kind of taken a liking to it kind of went a little bit more kind of 70s 80s sort of synthy kind of style and I wasn't I wasn't too keen on it but they did actually then end up releasing some of those older singles like Gun and Ambulance and the Black Parade is actually down on the list today to talk about because I just googled it to see when did the Black Parade come out because I can remember I must have been, yes, I was 17, I was in college, and I went to Sainsbury's to buy it, and I used my parents' nectar card points to kind of just buy it, and that came out 14 years ago. 14 years! I mean, we should all be in the now, and you know, we're not looking to the past and all that kind of stuff, but 14 years, that's that's a long time, that is a long time of hearing those songs over and over again and it's yeah I don't really know I don't really don't know what I what I feel about that I mean I've not really got much to say so let's just move on from that uh, I was reading an article today on Kerrang.com about is pop punk dead and it was talking about how because there's the the bands that were kind of they're, they're still around but it's, I suppose, with Warp Tour ending in the US and multiple allegations against singers and people in bands that have been doing loads of shitty things, that's kind of, it's killed the genre a, a bit. The genre kind of feels like it's it's not there as much. Uh, I put it into a group chat with some of my friends and Matt Davis, the Malbec moment king, said it's not dead. It We need it now more than ever. Uh, Danny Watts said kill it. 
I then shared a little bit by uh, Spanish Love Songs uh, from their album, from the song Optimism as a Radical Life Choice. And I shared the chorus from that, uh, Don't Take Me Out Back and Shoot Me. Because I feel like pop punk's still around. It's just a little bit different now. And that's what the article is kind of saying with the Machine Gun Kelly pop punk album that he bought out with Travis Barker and Halsey wants to do a pop punk album as well. And then there's Youngblood that's kind of mixing everything together. And so it's just different than what it used to be with that kind of newfound glory, Blink-182, Green Day kind of sound. It's a little bit different now. So, you know, it's kind of moving forward and it's going into the future and it's just changing a little bit. It's not what we used to know as kids, but you know, we grow and we change and we reflect and we move on. Speaking of the differences between being younger and now and not understanding genres, I really wanted to get into drill and I really wanted to uh, to kind of understand what was going on. And I love lyrics. I'm kind of all about the wordplay and about the lyricism. And so I was listening to some drill and I just couldn't. And I tried to rap along. I was reading the lyrics and I was trying to get into it. And I couldn't work out the flow and the beat. The beats are really good. And the how to kind of get into it and dive into it and it's funny isn't it because when you're younger you just kind of latch onto things and you just don't care about it and you'll give it a go you know I, I suppose that's what led me to be in a punk band for years it's just like I just I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing I just listened to songs and I remember listening to Braille by Bring Me The Horizon and learning to scream in my house and that's kind of just what you do whereas as you get older you start to kind of dissect it a little bit more and think oh, I don't know how that works how does that actually happen how are they how are they doing that how are they knowing the flow how are they knowing where to find it where is the hook and you shouldn't be looking for the hook but I'm trying to I was trying to get it and I just didn't really get it and I thought is that like a sign of the times am I getting old even by kind of doing this and talking about it it's just you know I feel like I might be past it yeah I think I am I think you know it's probably might be time to just put a lid on that chapter stop trying to to relive the glory days just put a little lid on it and maybe just kind of move on it's the end of an era speaking of the end of an era the undertaker the amazing wwe wrestler said his final farewell on sunday after 30 years in the business at survivor series there was a big send-off obviously due to the pandemic no crowd it was just he brought out all of his friends. So there were people like Ric Flair was there and Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels and JBL and other people like The Godfather and Rikishi was there. And they all came out. Then they disappeared. There was like a video package that showed when he debuted 30 years ago, came out and his old Kane was there as well. And all the stuff to do with Kane and all of that. They showed like a big, great, you know, the WWE great video packages where it's just there and you're like, yes. This has been produced and I'm feeling emotional and I'm getting the the that emotions just kind of bubbling up inside. So that ended. Vince McMahon was in the ring and he I mean, he's old now and he was he was looking very old. And the the promo that he gave it kind of he was stumbling through. And, you know, when you're there and you're getting nervous, you're thinking, I shouldn't be watching this. Is he going to forget what he's saying? Is he not going to know his lines? And it got a little bit a little bit kind of a little bit sort of strange. You know, I kind of struggled with it a little bit. And so then he left and then The Undertaker came out. There was smoke. There was fire. They had like this really nice kind of screen stuff. The the steps to the ring floated up and he stood at the top, came in and, you know, was there just kind of. And they had some piped in crowd chants of thank you, Taker, clap, 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 and all of that stuff. And it was really, yeah, it was, it was good. I kind of thought maybe he could have 
sort of waited and said a farewell when there were crowds there um because that would have been just really nice but i imagine that when the crowds come back and life kind of goes back to some form of normality he probably will and that will probably happen but what i really liked was this kind of him putting the character to bed and him kind of peeling back the curtain being like after 30 years it's time to let the undertaker rest in peace and he's going to go off and just be mark calloway and i really like that and then there was another touching moment where he got down onto his knees and put his hands up and then a hologram of Paul Bearer appeared and you heard the laugh and the moment when he was holding the urn and then just he walked out looked back raised his fist for one final time and it was it was a really nice moment I kept thinking though surely this isn't it and someone like Bray Wyatt or The Fiend is going to come out and interrupt him and stop this final farewell but no it actually was the end of a chapter and an end of an era you know, like the, a farewell, like that's that's it. It's all done. And I wanted to talk about the Grammys this week and the the nominations. And I thought, you know, we could really dive into that, couldn't we? We could really just talk about the awards. And you know, I could kind of say what I thought about each of the songs and all of that. And then I looked and I was like, back to being out of touch. I was like, I don't really know. I've not heard half of these songs. I've just been kind of stuck listening to the same albums throughout the year. Um, various kind of different older things. Uh, I've really been into the new Venom Prison album, Primeval, which is like a collection of their uh, uh, their first EP. If you haven't heard of Venom Prison, you need to check them out. They're a death metal band from Wales. Their female lead vocalist, Larissa Stupar, I think is how you say her surname, is incredible. The like Her vocal range and the screams and the growls, they are so, so powerful. I actually took my friend Chris Hallett to see them at the Dome in Tufnell Park years ago. It was a summer evening. We arrived, we had our floral shirts on, and the bouncers at the door were like, are you sure this is the right place? Are you guys in the right place? You do know what this evening is. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, Chris didn't know. But, you know, that's the good thing. You need to just take your friends to things they don't know what they're going to expect. And you just need to stand back and look to the left. And you need to, you just need to let them absorb it. So then we went to a pub over the road called Aces and Eights, not the TNA faction, but another pub. We went in there, had some drinks, went back, watched them, and it was amazing. I mean, it was a really quiet kind of gig, and there wasn't like a mosh pit or anything. It was quite like a, a sort of static affair. But So I've been listening to their new album. I've also been listening to the new Touche Amore album, Lament, which, as usual, is, is incredible and really kind of touches on uh, the stuff that's happened to the lead singer since the last album since uh stage four that was about his mum dying of cancer and about kind of what's happened in his life since then falling in love and losing various family members to become republicans and so that's a great album spanish love songs their album brave faces everyone is it's it almost feels like it's really negative uh in a lot of places um like the first song called routine pain about like sitting in a bar and just drinking and it's like have you ever felt this low i felt lower and that kind of that feeling of being really low and that sort of almost like a competition that you can have with feelings but it 
it ends on such a, a bright note of brave faces everyone and i think that's what we've needed for 2020 we've really needed that haven't we because it has been a struggle it's been very difficult and lots of people have lost their jobs and lots of people have lost loved ones and people have died and it's been it's been a really tough year so i've been listening to that quite a bit i've also been listening to the code orange album and that brings us on to Best Metal Performance because Code Orange have won a Grammy in the past for one of their other songs or albums, I think. Uh, they are currently up for Best Metal Performance. Another song, Bum Rush by Body Count, which is Ice-T's hardcore band. And The In Between uh, by In This Moment, which I've not heard of either. Blood Money by Poppy. And Executioner's Tax, Swing of the Axe Live, which is by Power Trip, who unfortunately lost their lead singer earlier this year. And I've listened to that, and it's amazing. So I'm going to put my money on it either being Code Orange or Power Trip to win Best Metal Performance at the Grammys. Also, I want to talk about, like, bad poetry. You know, because it feels like when you're younger, you can just get away with just writing just whatever you want. And, you know bad poetry about falling in love and about things like that no one ever really calls you out on it because they know that you're young and it can be bad and you can just get away with it and then you flick through the pages of your notebook years later and you go yeah that was actually pretty terrible wasn't it that wasn't that wasn't my best i should have written something a bit better than that but then you know you, you're not able to do that as you get older i wrote some today because my friend said that my writing lacked maturity and i've really not got over that fact you know sometimes there's that criticism that just comes in and you just you think it's there i should get over it i'm not going to i'm gonna be petty so this is what i wrote today <clears throat> the nights are closing in and the moonlight pierces through my window and lights up the whole place you're unrecognizable by the mask on your face your eyes tell stories that never end i wish you were more than a friend Juvenile poetry, the stick hits my back. I smile knowingly with a trick to counteract. Your sly barbs at the skill I lack. I'll try hard to pick up your slack. Harder still to make up of your whack. Sense of manners, but to me you no longer matter. The stick falls to the floor with a clatter as your jaw slams shut. Devoid of your weak chatter. And I just wrote that. You know, I thought, get it out there. Get that out there in the world. It's out there now. You know, you can't take that back. I could try. I could try, but but I can't. You know, also what's out there in the world is that uh, I didn't realise this, but the Faith No More Red Hot Chili Peppers beef that was a thing back in the early 90s. And when Sloppy Joe played one of our first gigs at the Louisiana back in 2006, we finished playing one of our songs and the sound engineer said, yeah, you've got a real Faith No More sound. And I didn't know anything about Faith No More at the time. I then listened to We Care A Lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that being there. And I've since last week read about how Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers stopped Faith No More being on one of their tours because he hated their video for Epic where Mike Patton jumps around shirtless. They all jump around shirtless and he's rapping. And... The style and the flow is, it's so much like Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's almost like a piss take. And then I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
So he's saying that we sounded like Faith No More. But in a way, he's almost saying that we sounded like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, that would really please the other members of Sloppy Joe. But to me, that's, that's almost like a diss because Red Hot Chili Peppers are one of the few bands on my I Don't Like list, which also includes Muse and the Foo Fighters. And some people love those bands. But to me, when I see them... And if they're on like the top of billing of a festival, I think, no, 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 no. Let's go and watch someone else. I think I have seen Muse. I saw them at Reading a couple of years ago. But then I think we went to either watch The Streets or maybe even 30 Seconds to Mars instead. But I'm getting the years confused. because I think 30 Seconds to Mars played before Guns N' Roses did a no-show. And they went on really late. And by the time they came out, they cut the performance. And Axl Rose threw a strop and he was on stage. And then it just kind of ended. And I think that was the end of like Friday evening. But then there was the like the weekend when we saw My Chemical Romance. And Brian May turned up and just played a solo. And then later that weekend, turned up at the VMAs in America and played with Lady Gaga. And I was like, Brian May is everywhere this weekend. He's just all around. So I also thought that I would buy five books that I would try and read during lockdown. And uh, I've only read two. Well, I haven't even finished the second one. I read Queenie, which I probably talked about in week one of the podcast. And since then, I've been reading Christmas in Austin, which is by Benjamin Markovitz, which is a sequel to A Weekend in New York, which is an amazing book. It kind of deals with the Essinger family and them living in Austin. Well, kind of going there for Christmas holidays and traveling from various different parts of America and England. And it's just the way that it kind of talks about family life and about kind of human interaction is absolutely fascinating some of the sentences are so accurate and so precise that you're there and it's emotional you know when something is so raw and it really gets to the innocence of what people are thinking and how they are dealing with life and you're like yeah that's so good and so I think that's why it's taken me so long to read because you kind of need to be in that sort of right frame of mind to read it but I've let myself down because lockdown ends next week and then when we go into tier two uh apologies to people that are aren't in tier two that are in tier three to all the people in bristol i'm sorry uh but it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to kind of um i'm still gonna read but i'm not gonna be you know they'll just be normal books then they won't be my lockdown books i didn't finish duck's new report um which i didn't even attempt to read during lockdown two and atlas shrugged i mean i'm shrugging now because I'm not going to finish it, and I'm never going to know who John Gout or John Gate is. I'm never going to know. I'm sorry, Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand. Never know, never know. What's what's the name? Anyway, we've got a bit long on this one today. We've got a bit long. Usually by this point, someone on a podcast would be saying, oh yeah, the producer's giving me the let's wrap it up signal. I mean, there's no one there. It's literally just me here, and no one answered my call about coming on the podcast this week so thank you to that it's still just me but i got a little bit of a treat for you because each week we try and delve into an old sloppy joe song and i'm really happy that i can share this with you because i've got an instrumental version which i think i mentioned before of don't want to be one of our songs that was written in 2012 And I've given it a 2020 makeover. I tried last week to scream. It didn't work. I think just sitting on it, letting the voice simmer 
you know, letting the little the little nuggets of, uh, of vocal cord and power and letting them hit together has come back. And I can do it. So before this, I recorded a little version. I'm now going to share it with you completely. It's going to be a world premiere. World premiere. Enjoy. Don't want to be by Sloppy Joe. Twenty twenty, we're back. I want to make- 